Well, two older couples had gone out to dinner together. They had uh, had a really good Mexican food meal. And on the way out of the restaurant, one of the men says to the others, we should do this again, but next time we should have Italian food. He said, we found a great little Italian restaurant the other day. It had great lasagna. And his friend said, what was the restaurant called? And he thought for a minute, and then he acted just a little embarrassed. And he said, you know, my memory is getting so bad. He said, what is that flower that smells so good and has thorns? And his friend said, oh, you mean a rose? And he said, yeah, yeah, that's it. And he turned to his wife and he said, Rose, what was the name of that Italian restaurant that we went to? Now, that's bad memory, isn't it? But remembering can be important, and it can help you avoid wrecking your life. It can help us avoid wrecking our life. And as we'll see, Solomon is going to tell us that as he ends his journal. Today, we're finishing up this series on how to wreck your life. We have been looking at the Bible book of Ecclesiastes, which was written about 3,000 years ago. And it is the journal of a man named Solomon. And Solomon could sum up his life by talking about two very different times in his life. The first part of his life, he could say, I followed God. I followed God. And he asked God for wisdom early in his life, and God gave it to Solomon in abundance. He was a wise king, and he was a good leader, and he shared the wisdom that God had given to him in a book of wisdom that we call Proverbs. And the second part of Solomon's life could be summed up with him saying, I followed me. I followed me. He would say, I lived life my way. I rejected God and I became my own God. And you see, Solomon ended up somewhere that he never intended to be. He ended up far from God. And as we said in previous messages, he didn't plan that. He didn't plan to reject God. He hadn't planned to wreck his life. But he took a series of small steps that led him to do that. He didn't wake up one day and say, you know what? I don't think that God knows what he's talking about anymore. He says, you know what? I've just decided that God doesn't know what he's doing, that he doesn't know what he's talking about, so I'm going to reject him. That's not the way it happened. You see, he was probably faced with a decision, maybe even a small decision, and his choice was option A, to do what God wanted him to do, or to do option B, which was something just slightly different than what God would want him to do. And um, he decided it was easier and, and, you know, really harmless to take option B. So he just ignored what God wanted him to do just that once, and it seemed like it was a pretty harmless thing to do, but ignoring God's guidance once made it easier for him to ignore God's guidance again and again and again. And pretty soon, he was ignoring God all the time. Pretty soon, he had let what seemed right to him replace what God said was right. And when that happened consistently, 
God ceased to be God in his life. And Solomon became his own God. And some of you may not realize it, but you may be doing the exact same thing in your life. You plan to follow God, and, and you think you are, at least most of the time. But there are times when, you know, honesty just seems to create more problems and hurt feelings than just shading the truth. And so just in certain situations, you tell little lies, just little lies. And what God says about sex seems kind of outdated to you. And you try to live a moral life, but you don't always make the exact sexual choices that the Bible teaches. And you know that Jesus wouldn't want you to gossip. And you, you try not to, but that one friend of yours always seems to pull you in to gossip. And choice by choice, bit by bit, like Solomon, you find yourself moving further and further from God, step by step, ignoring what he has to say more and more often. And here's the truth that I want to gently tell you because I love you. Ignoring God in little areas of our life leads to replacing God in all areas of our life. Ignoring God in little areas of our life leads to replacing God in all areas of our life. And we end up replacing him. We become our own God. We become the leader of our own lives because in some situations, we really have decided that we know better than God. Or at least in our situation, God's way doesn't work or it will create some discomfort that we're unwilling to experience. And so like Solomon, we do what seems right to us instead of what God says is right and we become our own God. And at the end of his life, Solomon says, please listen. Ignoring God and trying to do it your own way won't work. It won't work. He says, don't do what I did. Don't ignore God and wreck your life. And in the last chapter of his journal, Solomon gives us some guidance on how we can avoid wrecking our lives by ignoring God. And so let me walk you through the actions that he suggests that will help us. First, he says, remember him. Remember him. Look at what Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 1 says. Solomon writes, Remember your creator in the days of your youth before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. He's telling the readers not to do what he did. He doesn't want us to wait until we get old to become wise again. He wants us to remember God while we're young, before our life is full of regret and shame and guilt. He says, remember your creator and live a better story. Live a better story. And do it when you're young. He says, remember your creator now. Don't wait until your deathbed. Don't wait until you've wasted your life. Don't wait until it's too late to get right with God. Get right with God now while you still have the opportunity. Remember your creator. And in the following verses, Solomon starts talking about getting old. 
And he talks about it in very poetic language. You know, someone has said that there are four stages of life, infancy, childhood, adulthood, and you look really good for your age. And some of you are hoping you're not in that stage quite yet. Let me quickly walk you through what Solomon says about remembering God as we age. First, he says in verse 2, remember your creator before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark and the clouds return after the rain. This is a nice poetic way to say before your mind starts to get foggy, before your mind starts to get cloudy, remember God. And it does seem that about the time our skin clears up, our minds begin to get cloudy. And so he says, remember God before that happens. In verse 3, he says, remember your creator when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop and the grinders cease because they are few and those looking through the windows grow dim. What are the keepers of your house? I think he's talking about your legs. Re remember God before your legs get shaky. And I think your shoulders are the strong men that he says you want to remember God before your shoulders began to sag. And uh, the grinders cease and are few. He's talking about your teeth there. But, so remember God before your teeth fall out and the windows grow dim. He means remember God before you begin losing your eyesight. And he goes on in verse 4, he says to remember God when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades. Now, this is an interesting phrase. I think the doors to the street refer to the businesses people would run on the street side of their house. And the sound of grinding would be the work that they did. And so he's saying, don't wait until you retire to remember God. Verse 4 goes on and he says, Remember God when people rise up at the sound of birds, but all their songs grow faint. Young people love to sleep in. They just love to sleep in. I mean, I remember my daughters when they were teenagers. They could sleep all day. You know, sometimes they would get mad at us if we woke them up before the crack of noon. You know, and now I'm jealous. Wouldn't you love to sleep in? I mean, you get to an age, pretty soon, even when you want to sleep in, you have to get up at three o'clock in the morning to go to the bathroom. And then you wake up when the birds are singing outside. You wake up really early in the morning when the birds are singing, but it doesn't really matter because you can't hear them because you're hearing has gone and your hearing is so bad. There was an older couple sitting on a park bench one day and she leaned over to him and she said, I'm proud of you. And he said, what? What'd you say? She said, I said, I'm proud of you. And he said, well, I'm tired of you too. <laughs> you want to remember God before that happens. You really do. Solomon goes on, he says in verse 5, Remember God when people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the street, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desires that no longer is stirred. This is talking about several things. As people get older, they become more concerned about their safety. They become more concerned about falling. And the almond, almond blossom is white in color. So he's talking about gray hair. Some of us would love to have hair of any color. Um, 
dragging along like an injured grasshopper is what happens when you get older and it gets harder to move around. And that last phrase, desire is no longer stirred. Have you ever seen that commercial with a couple outside and two bathtubs? That's what he's talking about there. I think maybe when he wrote this, Solomon was feeling really old. What do you think? I mean, he just kind of walks through the deterioration of a person's body when they get old. And he ends this section in verse 6. Look at what he says. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. He says... Don't wait until you are about to die to pay attention to God. He is saying one day your life will come to an end and you will want one more day. You will want one more opportunity. You will want one more chance, one more moment, one more breath. And it won't be there. And so he says, please remember God. Remember him now while you're young and remembering is more than just calling something to mind or someone to mind remembering in this passage means to pay careful attention to someone it means to count him as valuable and important it means to honor him and Solomon is saying don't ignore him don't ignore God don't push him off to the side remember him his second piece of advice to avoid wrecking our lives by ignoring God is to learn from him, to learn from him. Solomon says, remember him and then learn from him. Look at uh, verses 9 and 10 of chapter 12. He says, not only was the teacher wise, but he also imparted knowledge to the people. He pondered and searched out and set in order many proverbs. The teacher searched to find just the right words and what he wrote was upright and true. Remember what we said last weekend. Solomon could have saved himself many problems and many painful experiences if he had just paid attention to uh, the wisdom that God had given him and that he had written down when he was young and early in his life, when he was following God fully. And one of the greatest gifts that God has given to us is the Bible, his word, this guidebook for life. And I know that there are many voices today who are saying that it's out of date or that it doesn't really deal with the problems that we really face today but I don't believe that at all I believe with all my heart that God in his wisdom has given to us wisdom that applies to every situation we face and it's right here in this book and no matter what you're going through in your life, you will save yourself a lot of pain and a lot of problems if you will just learn from him, if you will pay attention to his wisdom. And learning from him is easier today than ever before. Not only can you come to church and hear messages from God's word, but you can hear them on the radio or on the internet and podcasts, but you can also get into a growth group where others will share uh, with you and study with you and discuss with you. Or you can read the Bible every day on your own. I use the YouVersion app on my phone most of the time when I'm reading the Bible. And if you want to avoid wrecking your life, spend time learning from him. 
But don't stop there. You also need to live for him. To live for him. Have you ever known uh, one of those people who seem to know the Bible really, really well? I mean, they just seem to know the Bible really well and they're quoting it all the time and everybody hates them. Have you ever known that person? I mean, they know the Bible really well and they're always quoting it and everybody hates them. And the reason everybody hates them is because they quote the Bible all the time, but they don't have the attitudes that Jesus would have. They have these attitudes that Jesus would never endorse. And they do things that everyone knows uh, are, is not what Jesus would want them to do. Have you ever met a person like that? Yeah, me too. They're annoying, aren't they? And do you know what their problem is? They learned about God, but they don't live for him. They learned about God, but they don't live life for him. You see, they have never let God's word affect their lives. Look at what Solomon says as he's getting ready to close his journal. Verse 13, now all has been heard. Here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. Solomon says, let me sum it up for you. If you want to avoid wrecking your life, if you want to avoid ignoring God, if you really want to live out your faith rather than just talking about God, there are two things that you need to focus on. The first is respect him. Respect him. I know the passage says to fear God, but I don't think that that means or was meant when Solomon wrote it in the way that we take it. I don't think that means that we should be constantly afraid of God, that we should be cowering in fear uh, at God. But I do think that it means that we should have a healthy respect for him, that we should care about what he wants to happen in our lives and in our church and in our world and we need to work to please him in every way we can. That means I respect his wisdom and his guidance in, uh, over my own wisdom all the time. It means that I try to do what he wants me to do, even if it seems weird to me, even if it seems impractical to me. Respecting him means I assume he knows better than me in every situation every day. I assume he knows better than me every day. But part of fearing or respecting God is doing the second thing that Solomon suggests, and that is, I have to obey him. I have to obey him. Obedience is a part of respect. Obedience is a part of respect, and we don't even like the word, do we? We don't like the concept of having to obey laws. We don't like the... Uh, concept that we need to obey our parents we just don't like the concept or even the word obey and can i tell you i really believe that most people who are struggling spiritually are usually arguing with god about something that god wants them to do or something that god wants them to stop doing People who are struggling spiritually, I think, are having a battle with God over obedience. They are arguing with God about something he wants them to do or wants them to stop doing. They're trying to convince themselves that they can be okay with God and not serve him. They can be okay with God and not give to him or not spend time with him the way scripture teaches. Or uh, they are involving themselves in a habitual sin and God is urging them. God is trying to help them stop it or to allow him to 
help them to overcome it, and they're arguing with him. And I really believe our willingness to submit to God and obey him, or our lack of willingness to submit to him and obey him, determines our spiritual health and our overall happiness in life. Our spiritual health and our overall happiness in life. Let's look at one more suggestion that Solomon makes. In the very last verse of his journal, Solomon says, if you want to avoid wrecking your life, you need to trust in him. You need to trust in him. His final reminder is a little bit sobering. He says in verse 14 of Ecclesiastes 12, for God will bring every deed into judgment including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Solomon says, fear or respect and obey God because God will judge your every deed. God is going to judge each person. He's going to judge each person based on our deeds. And he knows that the secret things, the hidden things that we think that we have hidden so well from everyone else. He knows all of those hidden things that we do or have done. He knows the good things and the evil things that we have done. And if Solomon is right, we need to be ready for judgment. And we need to be ready to trust a good and a generous God to judge us well. But some of you are thinking, well, if God is going to judge me based on my deeds, on all of the things I've done, I've done some really bad things, and you're thinking there's no real hope. Well, if that were the truth, if that were the end of the discussion, there would be no hope for me. There would be no hope for anyone sitting in this room because all of us have sinned. All of us have failed to follow after God. All of us have failed to do what God has wanted us to do. And all of us have sinful parts of our lives that we have had hidden from view that God can see very clearly. And so if God is going to judge us based on our deeds, we're all in a hopeless state. But God is loving and God is generous and God has provided a way for us to escape condemnation. Look at what it says in Romans 8, verses 1 and 2. There is, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. So the deed that God's going to focus on is us belonging to Jesus. If you belong to Jesus, there is no condemnation. God will judge me, but he will acquit me. He will judge me not guilty, not because I'm not guilty, but because Jesus paid the price uh, of my sin on the cross. And God gave me life through his spirit, eternal life and eternal hope. He freed me from the penalty of my sin. And he can do the same thing for you. He can do the same thing for you. You just need to trust him. You just need to make sure that you belong to him. And if you have never done that, if you're not sure right now that you belong to Jesus, please talk to me after the service or to one of our Next Steps people at the Next Steps canopy and let us help you. So Solomon says, please pay attention to my wisdom. He says, don't wreck your life. Don't ignore God. Remember him and learn from him and live for him and trust in him, and do it while you're young. I want to close with a story 
I want to close with a story of a young girl. Let's call her Rose. Okay? We'll call her Rose. And Rose grew up in a house with parents who were Christians. And she went to church as, she was, as a young girl. And uh, she loved going to church. She learned about Jesus. And she sang about Jesus. And she learned that Jesus loved her. And she learned how to say some simple prayers. But, you know... As the years went on, and as Rose got older, she joined some teams, and she joined some clubs, and some of those activities were on Sunday, and it seemed like she missed a lot of church, but she still thought about Jesus. She still loved Jesus, and she still prayed, and then when they went to church occasionally, things would happen, and one time her parents got upset with something that happened at their church, and they got really mad, and they stopped going to church at all. And Rose was sad about that, but she still thought about Jesus. She prayed and talked to Jesus, but the years went on. And it was when she was in high school that one of her friends invited her to a church. And she went to that church, and the church had a great student ministry. It had a great student pastor named Chad. You're welcome. And... Um, she, when Chad spoke, she just began to understand again how much Jesus loved her. And she began to understand that she was a sinner and that Jesus would forgive her sins if she would just trust in him. And so she trusted in him and she was baptized into Christ. She died to her old life of sin and she was raised to walk in a new life. And she promised God that she would walk with Jesus every day of her life that she would follow him fully. And um, she started to do that. I mean, she served at her church and she attended every week and she worked in the preschool area. She even went on a missions trip. But then Rose went to college. And in college, she, she really tried to find a church, but it was kind of hard because she missed the church that she had come from. And none of her friends seemed very interested in church. And her friends wanted to go out late on Saturday night and she would often go with them and then she was just too tired to get up and go to church. And Rose missed church and she prayed and she loved Jesus and she promised herself that when college was over, she would go back to following Jesus fully and the years went on. And then she met this wonderful man and he seemed different to her. He was kind to her, and she loved to laugh with him. And he even said that he believed in Jesus. And they went to church together a few times, and Rose was in love. And they got married. And they meant to find a good church, but, you know, they were so busy trying to fix up their new house. And they traveled some weekends that it just seemed like they couldn't get to church. And Rose and her husband promised that they would get committed to Jesus again when they had kids. And then the kids were born. And like most new parents, they discovered that it was far more chaotic than they ever thought that it would be. And um, taking care of kids was no easy task. And it seemed like there was always someone sick on Sunday morning. And so the years went on. And um, the years when the kids were in sports, 
and um, the kids were in clubs in middle school and high school. That all just seemed to fly by. And during those times, Rose would pray, and they'd go to church from time to time, and she would think about Jesus, and she was kind of sad that they weren't more active in their church, but they were just so busy, and the years went on. And it was after the kids were in college, and after the kids got married, and after grandchildren began to arrive, that tragedy struck in Rose's life. Rose's husband was killed on his way to work on his very last day of work before retiring. And it was the tragedy that drove Rose back to Jesus. She went to church again and she experienced again the love of Jesus and the comfort that he gives. And she often cried in services because she missed her husband, but she began to lean on Jesus again. She began to trust in him again. She began again to let Jesus make a difference in her life. And she began to make a difference for him again. And she served him and she led a growth group and she began to volunteer in the kids ministry. And at the age of 64, Rose went on her second missions trip. And for the rest of her life, Rose was, uh, Jesus was a part of Rose's life every day. He had made a difference in her life and he was using her to make a difference in the life of others. And at the end of her life, Rose had only one regret. She regretted waiting until this stage of her life to give herself fully to Jesus instead of giving herself fully to Jesus at this stage of her life. Now, a few of you may be hearing this story and feeling regret. I mean, your life is far more like this rose than like this one. But here's the thing. Jesus will gladly receive your full force commitment right now. He's not gonna scold you for waiting until this stage. He wants your full force commitment right now. He wants you to be his follower. He wants you to let him make a difference in your life and to use your life to make a difference for others. And others of you are sitting there thinking, nice story, but you don't even realize you're in the early stages of repeating Rose's story. You're in the early stages of repeating Rose's story, and I just want to encourage you, whatever stage of life you are at, don't wait. Remember your creator. Follow Jesus fully. Remember your creator in the days of your youth or in the days of your parenting or in the days of midlife or in the days of your golden years. Just decide to remember him, to learn from him, to live for him, and to trust him completely. And if you have any questions about how to commit yourself to fully following Jesus for the rest of your life, again, at the end of the service, just go to the Next Steps canopy and let us help you in that journey. But right now, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, 
Thank you so much for always being there. Thank you, Father, that when we feel far from you, you've never moved away from us, and we just need to turn back to you, to remember you, to pay attention to you. Lord, help us to pay attention, to count you as valuable and important. Help us to remember you today and every day of our life. Father, we can't go back and fix the times we've wasted with you. But Father, we can start again. Today can be a defining moment in each of our lives as we commit ourselves anew to following you fully, to living for you every day, to letting you make a difference in our lives as you transform us. And Father, to letting you make a transformational difference in the lives of others through us. Father, I pray that no one here will push you aside today, that no one here will ignore what you're saying to them, but that every one of us will cling to you and commit ourselves to you. And Father, we're so thankful for Jesus. We're so thankful that on that day of judgment, if we've trusted Jesus for our salvation, that that event, that deed, will be what will be seen on our judgment day as all significant. And so, Father, right this minute, we give ourselves to you fully. In Jesus' name.